Okay. Well, um, you can't believe how convinced I was uh, that I would look out and see an empty room today. So uh, to see a full room is frightening. Um, I had some time with Caleb Lynch on Sunday. And I said, you know, Caleb, really, uh, for the first Sunday of this new deal, really, it ought to be a young, sparkly guy, not me. And he said he was fine with that. He said it was fine, good that I was doing that, but it needed to be awesome. It better be awesome. And in fact, he used a different word, but it's not one I'll teach your kids. Um, we can talk about that later. Uh, anyway, so I, I struggled preparing this message uh, with, with, you know, do I start off with some kind of funny stuff? And... Um, and everything that I came up with was really absurd. So I just said, no, let's not do that, and let's just dive right in to this passage. And um, so, let's see here. Is the, is the screen up? It is. I don't see it there. How about the lights down a hair? Just a hair. You know, just, just make it a little moody. You know me. Um... I guess you do. Some of you do know me, and some of you don't, you know. Um, it can go either way. Uh, but um, I thought I'd take a little time and, and tell you a little bit about myself for those of you who don't know me. And um, those of you who do will roll your eyes and say, yep. So I came to Open Door in 1991. My wife and I and our kids came to Open Door in 1991. And... Um, I was, um, I'd been a believer for 15 years, but I was, I was not, um, I was broken. I was, I never found my place in the body of Christ. I was hurting. I was unwilling to trust. I didn't really know how to trust anyone. And um, so Open Door became a place of healing for me. But uh, it turned out that I needed to be revealed before I could be Healed, which is true of most of us. Uh, I was welcomed into this family, and I was given the opportunity to use my gifts uh, in the service of the body of Christ, and that was very cool. Um, like I said, I'd been a believer for 15 years, but uh, despite that, I still had a lot of sin issues, a lot of hidden sin. I was living in a lot of secrecy, and I ended up hurting many people in this body, many of you that are here today, in fact, and um, my own family. And when I was revealed in my sin, the amazing thing that I found here was that I wasn't rejected. I was given the opportunity instead to own what I had done and by the grace of God, I found a way to own what I had done. And by God's grace, I, I did that. And um, I placed myself under the authority of the elders of this church. Now, I didn't, I didn't know them, really. I had become friends with John Lynch. But other than that, I, I didn't know the elders. Certainly didn't know them well enough to trust them. But I did believe that... that God had ordained eldership as a way of 
the church being led, and I believed very strongly that God put leaders in place for a reason, and so I submitted myself to them. And some of those men are still elders here, and they know what um, what uh, what my sin was, and and what I um, came under them with. And after I'd been revealed, and um, I had repented, and then I had fallen again, and been revealed again, and probably again and again. Uh, the elders really got to a place where they didn't know what to do with me. And, um, but uh, we gathered together one day, and they prayed for me. That's the only thing they could think of. Well, we might as well try this. Nothing else will work. So um, they got together. It was over in Madison when we were still at Madison. And um, they got together and prayed with me. And after the prayer... One of one of the elders, and it was John DeForest. I didn't really know John then. And he walked up to me, and he put his hands on either side of my shoulders, and he said, don't run away. Don't run away. Let us love you. And that pierced me deeply, really deeply. I didn't know what to make of it at all. So if I do this, I bring up the, the passage for today, which is in your bulletin if you've got one. Now, we all want to receive grace. I sure did. And um, we all need grace. We all need grace, unmerited favor, um, undeserved mercy and the thing about that is that um, for us to receive grace someone has to extend grace to us and for that to happen the person extending grace has to um, do so in the full knowledge that we do not deserve it otherwise it's not grace And so we come to today's passage. I'm not going to ask you to stand because those of you who are in shape don't need to and those of you who are not in shape don't want to. So why don't we... I don't. Uh, Shows you which camp I'm in. Um, But just sit back, relax, and hopefully you can see the... The passage as it comes up, would you read it along with me? We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other 
that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, the amazing thing is, several months ago I heard this passage preached, and it blew my mind. And um, I've been talking about it ever since to people, and, and I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, this September when I go with the team that's going to Bosnia, a little plug, um, that uh, I've been asked to preach in the city of Mostar, and, and maybe I'll preach on this verse I was dying to. And um, so when John DeForest asked me to preach this Sunday, I thought, well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not doing the whole this Romans business. I'm going to go off the grid and, and preach this passage that's in my head, which I didn't realize was in Romans. <laughs> and after Norm preached last week, Helen came home. She said, you know that passage you want to preach? It's the next passage. So there's a little magic for you. Uh, this passage is bookended by two very powerful verses. The first one being, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And then the other end of the bookend, uh, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Now, how did Christ accept us? How did Christ accept you? What did he say moments before he died? He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they are doing. Now, you can't deserve to be forgiven if you don't even know that you need to be forgiven. If you can't admit that you've done anything. And Jesus said this about people who were murdering him and who, who thought themselves right in doing so. The one who forgives then has to bear with the ignorance of these people. And uh, so you ask, okay, does Christ just bear with us? Is he kind of like, oh, gosh, I'll bear with these people. I, you know, does he merely put up with us? Being a biblical scholar, I went right to the Greek Technically, uh, because I'd heard this message, I went to the Greek, and, um, and I got this old Greek interlinear Bible that I've had for years and years. It's not just linear, it's interlinear, and um, it has the Greek in it, and it's, it's, it's interesting because the Greek of that verse 1 says, we, the strong, ought to bear the weakness of the weak. Not bear with, but bear. Now, this idea follows chapter 14 that Norm's shared with us, arguments about weakness and, and disunity that was happening because of disputes about what people should eat. Um, you know, whether God is more pleased with vegetarians or carnivores. I've got my vote, but it's, there's actually scripture on it. So, um, Jews at the time had been uh, taught since birth that in order to please God, you should avoid eating certain foods. They, they thought it was a command. They thought it was what God wanted. And Gentiles at the time, and, and remember, um, Paul's talking to believers. He's talking not 
to unbelievers. He's talking to believers, Jews and Gentiles who were coming together in the church kind of for the first time. And the, the Gentiles didn't have this law about food and they thought it was a little silly and they didn't understand why these Jews were having so much trouble with this idea of eating certain meats and certain other foods and and um, that was easy for them because they'd never thought otherwise but some Jewish believers had a very hard time accepting this decision that had been made by the apostles about diet about food the apostles if you remember are the original elders of the church and peter the top guy had had a vision in which god told him this is what the deal is now but the jews um having been brought up from from birth even with a vision and some apostolic endorsement they still had a problem they still were not they were uneasy about this idea and it and it um it was very difficult for them to have the faith that God, in fact, could want this. And the Gentiles thought that was silly. And they thought, these guys are, well, they're just not as, maybe as spiritual as we are. They just don't have the faith that we have. They're not, you know, they're not really in the know the way we are. And, you know, that's fine if they want to think that way, but they made sure that their weaker brothers knew that, and that was the problem Paul was addressing. But Paul's saying here in Romans, don't judge them. Accept them as Christ accepted you. We, the strong, ought to bear the weakness of the weak. So how did Christ accept us? Reading verse 1 of chapter 15 as we who are strong should bear with the failings of the weak. We can hear it as, you know, we need to put up with these people. We need to endure their immaturity. We need to, uh, you know, put up with these slackers. And, um, but the Greek says we should bear the weakness of the weak. So we have to ask, how did Christ accept us? How did he accept you? How did he accept me? He did it by bearing our sin by taking it on himself by bearing it in himself our sin he didn't just put up with us he didn't just endure us he extended grace to us he gave us mercy that we did not deserve he took our sin on himself so that we who did not even know what we were doing who didn't really even understand the depth of what we were doing, could be forgiven. And he, and he paid a cost to do that. Now, every other religious system says that to get to God, you've got you've to perform. Every other system, even the non-religious systems, you've got to somehow perform to reach the goal, right? Christianity is the only one that says, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. It says he gave himself before you deserved it. In your failing, in your weakness, he died for you. So, 
tried to come up with a you know, clever example, real-life example. I don't have a really good one. This is what I've got. Uh, m- my sister and I, when we were kids, my dad had this beer stein, this German beer stein. He got it when he was uh, in Germany during the Berlin airlift after the war. You know, prized possession kind of thing. You know, those glazed mugs, and they got the little metal hat, the pointed hat, and and you do this, and you either poke your eye out or you get beer. <laughs> and and I was fiddling with it, and she was like, "Oh, let me see it." And I said, "No, it's you know, I'm me and me back and forth." And then it broke. Sure, it fell, and it broke into a dozen pieces. And my mom, when she came in and saw what had happened. My sister, who feared for what might happen to her and did not have faith that my mom's ability to show undeserved mercy was at a very high level, pointed and said, Bobby did it. And I'd like to say that I bore her weakness. That as a lamb to the slaughter, I... I spoke not a word and uh, took the punishment on myself. I'd like to say that um, I extended grace to her, that I bore in my own body the punishment that should have fallen on her. I'd love to be able to say that. But enough about me. What about Jesus? Even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And these days, we're really concerned with justice. Most people, a lot of people, talk a lot about justice, about social justice, about racial justice, about justice for the weak, about justice for the poor. All that's good about justice for ourselves, shouldn't we demand justice? I mean, when others do wrong, does God expect us just to let them off the hook? Is that justice? I mean, if they do wrong, should we just let them do the wrong and not demand justice? Shouldn't we, by golly, shouldn't we stand for what we know is right? We know it's right, and they're doing this, and and shouldn't we... Let them know that they are wrong, that they are immature, that they are weak. Shouldn't we? If they're wrong. And Paul says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you might glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What does it take to bear the weakness of another, the failing of another, to not demand justice for ourselves, but to bear the weakness of the weaker brother? What does that mean? If you've been alive long enough to understand the word hurt, you've been hurt by someone. We all have because we all fall short of the standard that God has set. So what's the greater sin here? Is the greater sin not believing God when he 
changes up the dietary laws or judging your brother because of his weakness. What's the, what's the greater sin? To, to sin and to fail to acknowledge your sin because you don't really believe that God is going to catch you if you fall. Or is the greater sin to judge the brother who is weak and to hold against him the fact that he's weak? None of us know what another is up against. None of us know what's going on between that person and God. We don't know. Whatever we might think, we don't know. So which is the greater sin, to do wrong or to hold on to anger and judgment and resentment against the one who did wrong or to mock the one who is weak? If we believe the word of God, it gets pretty serious because Jesus said, if we are angry with our brother, we are guilty of breaking the sixth commandment, which is thou shalt not kill. If we're angry, we are guilty of murder. How does that work? Maybe Jesus is just exaggerating for effect, but he didn't exaggerate a lot, you know? So, there's a, there's a spiritual principle in play that is, that is deeper than our ability to understand right and wrong or grace and mercy. And that's why we need to take it to the cross. There's a parallel passage um, in the book of Philippians that echoes the truth taught here in these verses and, and I'd like to read it. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Peter then tells us, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Because he bore our sin in his body, we can live. We can be righteous. Something we couldn't reach by our own effort. Jesus went to the tomb. He went to the cross. And then he went to the tomb. 
And as that was happening, he did not demand justice for himself. He didn't say a word. Instead, he waited on God to reach out with a powerful hand and bring justice by raising him from the dead. This passage tells us that every one of us needs and wants grace. But also, if you have something against another, especially another believer, and that person cannot or will not seek forgiveness or makes excuses about what he or she did or fails to go with you to the truth in any way, one of you is eventually going to have to bear that sin if there's ever going to be peace between you. One of you is going to have to bear that sin to go forward. One of you is going to have to bear that sin and reach out and move toward and bear the weakness of the weak. Or you will never reconcile and be of one mind as Jesus would have us be. If we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if we are to take any comfort from his love, if we share his spirit in common, and we do, if we are to be people of tenderness and compassion, we must come together to the cross where Jesus, our example, bore our weakness, our failings, our double-mindedness, our foolishness, our cruelty, our sin in his own body. And if we come there to him, humbly, he has guaranteed that we will become like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And that will bring glory to God. Jesus has made it possible through his acceptance of our weakness, through carrying our weakness himself. He's made it possible that we can, in humility, value others above ourselves. That's not natural. But because of what he did, we can have the power of God to bear the weakness of the weak. Father God, I know my own sin and I know my own weakness and I know that I am not capable of loving with your love unless your love is going through me. I don't have it in myself, God. We don't have it in us except that we have you in us. And if we humbly seek you, you will live through us and you will love through us. You have told us that. You've assured us of that. God, would you astound us and do, in fact, that 
Let us love our weaker brother. Let us love those who sin against us. Let us, let us forgive. Let us reach out. Let us move forward because of you. In Jesus' name, I pray.